Welcome to the 80th edition of the Pro Wrestling Zone. I am Tiger Height. And I am the gallery of many peanuts and am still the majestic champion you, of the world. You won with a tie. I did and it still counts. Whatever. Because I am so, that amazing. Right. So let's start out with some news. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if there was a lot or a very little um, there wasn't really like anything that I really was like jumping out at. Um, I do know that Batista was taken off of the Hall of Fame line for 2020, actually. Really? Yeah, he's not on there right now at huh. this very moment. Um, the speculation ranges greatly. Uh, they do believe that he will not be um, doing. He will not be present for the virtual event because he is out filming something. Yes. Um. I, once again, we're not sure, but he was not on there. But let's talk about someone who uh, Peacock may have mistakenly put on the 2021 <clears throat> Hall of Fame class. So there, there are there are two things about this. So yes, if you were not watching, Peacock did release their WWE Network version on their app. And they um, this this Thursday. Of, they, they had a best of Daniel Bryan, like, little... And they, they, they mentioned that he was a 2021 Hall of Famer in not... a 2021 Hall of Fame inductee. Right. Well, it was not just that, but it was on multiple... Yes, it was. Um, ...posts that they mm -hmm. did. So they're not, we are not sure what's going on. Um, there are people who believe that it was... Well, number one, I this is me. I, I believe it was a mistake because there, there are actually Brie Bella, who is a... She he was inductee. a 20, 2020 right. inductee, well, not a 2021. They're, they're all putting it on 2021. Well, no, they're, they're still technically two different classes. Uh, they're still okay. 2020, 2021. Um, but, then, right. but then there are also people who believe that um, it was a spoiler yeah, unnecessarily um, because they have not inducted everybody yet, and we don't know when Daniel Bryan is going to be gone. Right. And Daniel Bryan being one of the most popular wrestlers of this generation of wrestling, yep. um, he definitely deserves it. So we will keep you up to date on what the hell is going on there. Oh, Peacock. Speaking of which, we actually watched pay-per-view tonight from Peacock, and the, it was okay. Um, I did not see any issues with nope. it at all um i thought it was fine we've um i mean i've signed up for a peacock a while ago because we were finding shit to watch and we we're like you know what we got to do it anyway um i've been very happy with it so far yeah. i can't be i can't complain about it too much we're watching a lot of non-wwe things like the profit yeah so um it's been fine yeah, um there are a lot of great things on peacock there have been people who have um experienced issues with the stream from peacock um, oh, really? Especially with Fastlane, yes, oh. I did see it. They did, huh. they did recognize it. This this whole this whole transition over was a total dumpster fire. Oh. It was not good. Um, oh, sounds like WWE's initial uh, foray into the network, right? And then they got it really, really well, right. where you can look it up by people, so you can't look it up by people or anything. They're working um, on it. Yeah, I know, but come on, you guys had months. <laughs> you guys had months to do this. You would think that the combination of WWE and fucking NBC Universal could have gotten this shit right the first time, uh, right? Nope. Apparently, that's too much to ask. It is. Anyway, um, let's ask. talk about the unfortunate passing of Barry Orton, or Barry O. Yes. Um, he was a wrestler in the 80s. Actually, a fairly talented wrestler yep. um, in his own right, but he um, infamously was a part of the Ring Boy scandal in mm -hmm. the WWF back in the 80s, which... 
um, we might talk about in the future. Yep. But yes, he did pass away. There was no... Um, there was no uh, thing. There was no explanation right. given for his passing, but it did happen. So obviously, our condolences go out to um, the Orton family. Right. But so let's talk about um, Amanda Hubbard, uh, Brody Lee's uh, widow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, she had to issue a statement regarding the use of Brody Lee Jr. on television. Because there are people, Who and I think I child exploitation. I blah, I blah, blah blah. Here's my thing. I think that people have every right to be somewhat concerned about it. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously he is very young, and right. um, it does look like that. I can right. see. I I I can see it. I, I can I can see people. I can see how it looks kind of weird. People people are not doing it to be mean. I mean, there are people, but I think they're trolls for the most part. I think people are more concerned that AEW, not just for exploiting him, but exploiting the death of Brody Lee. Right. Um, she did come out um, for the criticism because it was very bad. Uh, she said it was disheartening to see people accuse AEW of exploiting her right. son and the death of her husband. Um, she noted that AEW has helped the family since Brody Lee's passing mm -hmm. on December 26th. And she is thankful for the chief uh, legal officer for AEW and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. And then also the legal coordinator for both of them for um, actually being the direct right. person to work with not only the family but with AEW regarding this. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to make this clear. The, the concern is understanding but the legal president and the chief legal officer are working very closely regarding Brody Lee Jr.'s um, use on the show, right. and I think they're doing the right thing there. They're they're really keeping him at a minimum. He's just coming out for entrances for the most part. Right, he's coming out entrances and doing whatever with um ten and right. It, I, I personally never saw an issue with it because I'm no. like, they're not... It's not like he's doing matches it's or... It's not like he's in a storyline or anything. Right, he's just... He's just... He's just coming out with the whole right. group. And they barely mention Brody Lee right. for the most part. They're like Brody Lee Jr. or negative one. It's like... You know, they're not. I, 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 and now if they were like, oh my God, it's the son of Brody Lee, or oh my God, feel bad for this right. kid, or blah blah blah, I can understand it. Right. But it, but but it seems like it's just, it's just it's just he's just it's there. Part of the entrance, right? right. It's just an act. Right. It's whatever. Right. Um, but but you know, we we had to address it because I understand people's concern about it. Mm -hmm. um, AEW has announced that um, Dynamite shows in Boston. Philadelphia and Rochester have been, re all been rescheduled because, yes. I mean, if you're looking for a show in 2021 besides WrestleMania, you it's, better it's wait a, for a while. It's essentially, so most of them, so the August 7th show, the April 27th show, and the June 16th show were all going to be moved to October 6th, 2021, September 8th, and September 29th. Uh, speaking of shows that are happening this year, what about a show that's happening in three weeks called WrestleMania? Yes. We got the protocols for... Do you have them open because I did not save them? I do. Okay, good. Okay. So, um, 
I, I want to give everybody a thing. The tickets went on sale on Friday. Yes. The capacity for WrestleMania will be approximately 25,000 seats. Yep, that's for the 25% two... of the stadium capacity. Right. Um, and usually with the seating at ringside, it would be about 70. So, mm -hmm. um, Peanut Gallery, would you like to go through what WWE is going to do as a part of compliance for COVID? Right. Don't so, do all of it. Go ahead. Highlights are that everybody is going to be getting a questionnaire and they cannot get... So all the tickets are electronic, so they cannot get access to the tickets until the until they submit the electronic questionnaire. And that applies for everybody over the age of two years old. Um, everything, like I said, is going to be electronic, including concessions. They're going to be cashless. So they actually have reverse ATMs if you brought cash. For um, credit cards that can be used, or debit cards, or whatever you want to call it. Um, everyone is assigned pods. Pods cannot be sold separately. They can only be sold as a unit. Of course, everyone is required to wear masks, social distancing. Um, if you've been to a stadium during the pandemic, I'm sure you've seen that there's one-way walkways. They have yep. all that stuff. Um, they're selling masks at the door. They're selling masks as part of the merchandising. Um I mean, you know, this is your typical kind of stuff, but they really are taking it seriously. Right. So, well, which is good. If, yeah. if if this is what it takes for people to, at the very least, get back to um, a seated WrestleMania, right. then I'm okay right. with it. And and all the wrestlers are excited about it. All of the announcers are excited about it. If you watch Fastlane, they're all like, yes, finally. Right. And... Um, you know, they, they learned a lot of lessons from the Super Bowl. I mm -hmm. don't see problems with it. No, I'm, I'm not going to see any yeah. issues with it. And um, They are going to go back to the Superdome concept for the regular shows, I believe, for the time being. They may or may not do pay-per-views with live crowds, but I think they're going to be really careful. Because remember, the Superdome is going to a new place after WrestleMania. Right. So... I, I don't know all the details on that, but in my heart... You mean really, you mean the Thunderdome? Yeah, the, the Thunderdome. Oh, I, you were saying Superdome. I got confused. No, I'm like, wait, I, what? I, I meant the Thunderdome. So the, so the Thunderdome is going to continue. So I wonder if they're going to do that for all the regular shows and go live crowds for pay-per-views. I just don't know. Right. Um, so here's what I'm thinking. You know, because AEW did this pushback, they're, doing, they're basically going to do right. the pushback until everything, for the most part, is back to normal, which... Um, every expert that I've seen, no matter what other people say, no matter what right. is looking like it's going to be at least June, July, right. is when we can go back to at least some sort of regular show, right? whatever. Right. Um, listen, listen to the WWE superstars, get your vaccine. Right. Um, with here in Las Vegas, um, they are running... They are running shows again, yes. so it's a positive step. It's a step in the right direction because our because currently mothership is at one. Yes. So um, it, it's you know it's fine. Right. It's totally cool. No problems. Um, we'll see what happens, but I'm very right. optimistic. You know, numbers are going down everywhere. Peanut Gallery, Peanut Gallery, and I literally did this. So um, I'm very excited to see a crowd at WrestleMania in some way, yes. shape, or form, um, no matter what. And, um, right. I, and it seems like they're doing all that they can. Mm -hmm. That's like that. If I was the if I was the chairman of the board or health inspector or anything like that, I'd be like, yeah, it looks good. 
Right. Do it. Yeah. So, um, other than that, do you have any other news that you wanted to cover that you saw that I maybe lost or anything like that? You know what? I thought I had something, but I don't have anything. Okay. So, um, that will be the end of this part. So, when we come back, we will have Peanut Gallery go through his Bible study. Yes, we're gonna do kind of a two-parter for this. So, I'm going to talk about the meaning of Guerrero. Okay. Within um, Mexican culture and and Spanish culture in general. And then um, Tiger Height is going to do his wrestling lesson on the Guerreros. Exactly. So we'll be right back yeah. with the Bible study portion of that two-parter. All right. We are back for Bible study, Peanut Gallery. Take it away. All right. So the Guerrero nickname is actually uh, is actually means warrior in Spanish. So that's the first thing. Now we look at the name Guerrero within. Not not necessarily the Mexican specific kind of culture, but let's look at it from a Hispanic culture point of view, because it's actually more popular in Spain than it is in Mexico. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a brief description of the Guerrero name in Spain, and then I'm going to go to the Mexican meaning behind it, because I think that's much more interesting than the Guerrero name in Spanish culture. Anyways, so the Guerrero surname is thought to have originated as a nickname which described either a soldier who had returned from home um, from the war or as an aggressive individual. It's derived from the word Guerrero, which means war. So we look at generals throughout Spanish history and they're all mentioned as guerreros because they went to war, they returned from war, and they displayed certain aggressive individuals. In fact, there is a province in Mexico called the Guerrero Province, and it's actually named after a guerrero in the Mexican wars that have happened throughout various histories. I think it was the one who was part of one of those Mexican revolutions back in the 1820s when they broke away from Spain. In fact, the entire province was named after the individual whose last name was Guerrero. Now, Guerrero is kind of like Smith within our culture. Like, there are a ton of unrelated families who are named Guerrero within Mexican culture. But what I find more interesting is the history of the Aztec warriors. And the reason I find this more interesting is because I think it really relates a lot into the modern-day Mexican idea of what warrior is. So let's talk about the, the, um, the mythological place of origin for the uh, particular class. So a warrior, it was a warrior class within um, Aztec society. They were called the Nahatuli. Now, in spite of their fascinating achievements of the avenues of rich culture and sophisticated agricultural practice, our popular notions tend to gravitate towards the grisly practices of the Aztec, entailing human sacrifice. While the latter was indeed a part of Aztec domain, there is much more to these people with the than the ritualistic penchant of blood suggests. The Aztec warrior culture paved the way for one of the greatest empires within the Western Hemisphere. 
And you have to think that the very term Aztec does not pertain to a singular group of people, but the legacy of the Aztecs directly relates to that of the Mexica culture, one of the nomadic Chimichec people that entered the Valley of Mexico in 1200 AD. They were farmers and hunter-gatherers, but they were mostly known by their brethren by fierce warriors. And on the latter front, they were tested by the remnants of the Toltec Empire. In fact, according to one version of their legacy, it was the Toltec warlords who pursued the Mexica and forced them to retreat to an island. And it was on this island that they witnessed the prophecy of an eagle with a snake in its beak perched on a prickly pear cactus, which led to the founding of the massive city of Tenochtitlan in circa 1325 AD. Now, if you know the Mexican flag, what does the Mexican flag have on it? The eagle having the snake in its mouth on top of a cactus on an island. So, the Mexica were not counted among the political elite of the region, so many of them peddled their status as fearsome warriors who inducted themselves as elite mercenaries to the numerous rival Toltec factions. So the Mexica used that, that leverage as warriors to kind of pit the various tribes of the Toltec against each other with other nomadic civilizations throughout the region. And through it, they were able to bring them all together, but under the tutelage of the warrior culture that later became the Aztec people. You see, the Aztec, they kind of, I would say they're kind of middlemen, but they also kind of put themselves in a more advantageous position because of the fact that they were the mercenaries for pretty much that entire central region of Mexico. So as we can gather from this entry, the Aztecs pertaining to the alliance of the Nahatuli-speaking people were first and foremost a warrior society. To that end, it doesn't come as a surprise that most adults male had to provide some sort of mandatory military service. In fact, most boys born under those uh, under those days were compulsory assigned as future warriors of the Aztec military state, irrespective of their statutes as commoners or nobles. Now, while, men, while many noble or high-ranking members of Aztec society played their crucial roles in both the political and military affairs, the Aztec military uh, structure theoretically adhered to meritocracy, simply put a commoner could also rise up to the ranks of an Aztec warrior on the condition that he proved his ferocity and valor in battle by not only killing but also capturing a number of enemies and for, for the purpose of sacrifice. And so you got to think about the rigorous road also because being an Aztec warrior within that culture was also very rigorous. So they were chosen as future warriors, and their training began as early as five years of age. And one of the first tasks was they had to perform the intensive physical labor of carrying heavy goods and crucial food supplies from the central marketplace up the stairs of the temples. 
And for that, they were uh, provided with a frugal meal of half a maize cake at the age of three, full maize cake at the age of five, and one and a half maize cakes at the age of 12. These paltry portions encouraged the would-be Aztec warrior to subsist on meager food items. Such, such Spartan nutrition patterns were only supplemented by ritual feasts conducted on particular days of the month. So when you look at the, the rigor that these warrior um, people had to go through, you think about kind of that physical and mental stamina that was required for such people to take upon themselves such a name. And I'm not going to go through all of it, but I do want to mention some aspects of, of, of perhaps um, their interactions with, with the Spanish culture, especially because really when you look at the warrior heritage of the Spanish culture clashing with the Aztec culture, you can kind of see some of that, some of that mending going on. You see that guy that returns from war who is battered, hardened, who is ready to do something. And then they raise a whole warrior culture within that family. And that culture passes down from generation to generation. So when we talk about the Guerrero family, we're literally talking about a hardened warrior who passes upon the children and grandchildren this heritage right. of and that's kind of why the Guerrero name, especially with the Guerrero right. family, is so synonymous. Right. Not just because of the people in it, because what Guerrero means. Right. And you look at the history of, of their rituals. You look at some of their sacrifices they had to make. You look at all of those, those that training that they had to go through. And you kind of want to ask yourself, like, what... Is it about that Guerrero culture? You know, what What can you get out of that? That hardiness, that toughness. And, and you really embody that culture as you move along. Because in Aztec culture, being a warrior was one of the highest classes you could achieve. Because that's how the Aztec Empire came to be. Right. And, and so you have to embody that. And that is a part of the Mexicali culture. That was a part of the heart of Mexico. Because remember, right. Mexico City was built on Tenochtitlan. Right. Now, think the Aztecs were very much, if you want a comparison, that I think is actually a very accurate comparison, are um, it was basically the Central America version of right. the Spartans. Yeah. And, and you also have to think about rank. Rank was very important. So I think that this Guerrero culture really permeates a lot of just wrestling in general where you have a hierarchy. It's very clear. You have right. the, the, the grandfather. You have the fathers. You have the sons, the grandsons. Like you kind of go through those generations. Right. And you show reverence and respect for the culture that you were a part of. Right. So um, that's kind of a brief, I mean, I could go for hours about like the Guerreros within that culture, but I think that we get to the Aztec portion and then we get to the um, Spanish portion, we kind of mend those together. We kind of have an idea of what the Guerrero means, not only within the ancient culture of Mexico, but also within the modern culture. Right. Yeah. Okay, so um, when we come back, I will be talking about wrestling lesson with the Guerrero family specifically. Yeah. So we'll be right back. All right.
We are back. Peanut Gallery is getting some more wine, and I will be talking about the Guerrero family with Pina Gallery going out, what Guerrero means, and how significant it was. I want to talk about how significant this family is to the wrestling industry. Now, other than like the Hart family and everything like that, this family lineage is only three generations old. Um, the first person in the Guerrero family was Salvatore Guerrero Quesada. That's wrong. Excellent. So, um, also keep in mind the Guerrero last name was not their last name at all. Ooh, yes, no, it no, no, they no adopted person. That last name. They adopted it in their ring name only. So, Salvador Guerrero Quesada or Gory Guerrero was the patriarch and the first generation of the wrestling dynasty that we know of as the Guerrero families. He was born in Ray, Arizona, to a family of migrant workers. Um, his family moved back to Mexico after his mother passed away when he was nine, and he wrestled in EMLL, the predecessor to CMLL, from 1943 to 1966, when he refused to drop the NWA World Light Heavyweight Champion to Ray Mendoza, if I'm not mistaken, because he had a dispute with the promoter at the time. Oh, fine. Yes, so... Um, with Salvador Guerrero, the one thing that made him really popular with the crowd at the time was because EMLL was a um, it was a um, it was a uh, transient based promotion huh. where a lot of their most popular stars were not of Mexican heritage. He and maybe two other people were the only ones at the time who ranked up to main event status at that time who right. are. Um, Mexican in heritage in this kind of crazy thing of how long EMLL has been around. Um, I think they started in like 1941. It's one of the oldest promotions right now going. Um, he was also a former national middleweight champion, a welterweight champion, and a world welterweight champion. This guy was like five foot eleven and like 170 pounds. He was never a heavyweight. Um, but he was also credited for not only being one of the most popular um, Mexican origin wrestlers at the time, but he did he was the innovator of multiple moves, such as all the different variations of the gory special, the back to the back to back stretch, and also the la de cambalo, which is the camel clutch. Yeah. Yes, so. Um, with Gory Guerrero out of the way. We're just going to do brief ones because we have a lot of kids to talk about here. Let's talk about his firstborn, Salvador Guerrero III, or that we know and love, Chavo Guerrero Sr., Chavo Classic, or the original Chavo Guerrero. He is the oldest son, born in 1949. He was best known in the Universal Wrestling Federation, the UWF, not the one you know of, um, the American Wrestling Association, the AWA, and obviously WWE. He also wrestled in Houston, in Mid-South, in Smoky Mountain. He wrestled in the NWA um, Wrestling in Hollywood. He won the. He also wrestled in um, All Japan, so he wrestled a lot of places. Uh, he won the NWA American, um, the American Heavyweight Champion 15 times. 
He won the America's Tag Team Champion 11 times. He won the NWA World Light Heavyweight Champion two times. And him being the oldest WWE Cruiserweight Champion ever. Um, Unfortunately, he has passed away now. But I think... um, Gory Guerrero, or not Gory Guerrero, but Chavo Guerrero Sr. was the first taste of the Guerrero family in America. Uh, Gory Guerrero really never wrestled outside of it, and if he did, it was very rare. Uh, So he was really one of the first ones to go mainstream with it, being signed to multiple promotions in the United States. Let's go from there to the second born, Armando Guerrero Lamas, or Mondo Guerrero. He uh, had a very brief wrestling career starting in 1971 through 1994 as in comparison to his brothers. um, I don't believe there was a sister actually in their family at all. Um, He won, you know, he was in the um, NWA Hollywood Wrestling. He was in All California Championship Wrestling. Um, He was in World Wrestling Association. He began his career as a Hollywood stuntman in 1977. Uh, Gene LaBelle suggested Guerrero work as a stuntman after meeting him with brother Mike LaBelle's wrestling promotion, actually, um, because of his um, unorthodox style. So he thought that would be a great opportunity for him. So his work in stunts actually got him to the eve of destination in 1991, Red Surf in 1990, Falling Down in 1993, Big Steel Little in 1995, My Giant, Critical Mass, um, Picking Up the Pieces, Submerged, and The Shrink is In in 2001. Um, He is now a stunt coordinator, so he's actually still working. And he was one of the original wrestling trainers in the original Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. So, I mean, that was in the 1980s. So, cool stuff there. Let's go to Hector Manuel Guerrero Lanas, or Hector Guerrero. Um, Obviously, we know him from TNA as one of their first Spanish commentators, really giving a lot of credence to that. Um, We always joked, I remember Peanut Gallery and I joking, that um, Hector Guerrero looked like fucking Eddie Guerrero if Eddie Guerrero lasted longer than 38. Right. Um, It's kind of crazy. So he currently owns a um, consulting company for professional wrestling. He was born in 1954, by the way. Um, Third son in. So, yes, he owns the Professional Wrestling Consulting Company, which was started in 2015, and he debuted in professional wrestling in 1974. Um, He wrestled in the AWA, NWA, ECW before it became extreme, Mm -hmm. Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and uh, Mid-South Wrestling, WCW, among many other promotions, because at this point... um, the Guerrero name has been, uh, you know, synonymous with wrestling right. and a very well-known name, especially in California. Yep. Um, he's also known as being the gobbledygooker in WWF. Huh? Um, he had won many championships in some promotions, such as NWA Hollywood, Championship Wrestling from Florida, and the Jim Crockett promotions. Right. So, a, a successful career, yeah. but nothing like Chavo Classic or Gory at this right. point. Um, let's talk about, um, now this is going to be the last son. This is Eduardo Gori Guerrero Lanas or Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero, he was the baby of the family. Yep. We all um, know 
Black. Yep, born in 1967. I don't think I really need to go through the accolades of Eddie. Um, really one of the a legend, a legend in the business. Um, taken from us way too soon, but I don't think I have to go through his whole entire career arc. Who's Eddie Guerrero? Right, some of um, you know, for for being people who are you know, and at this point we really know Eddie is a part of the rest of the Guerreros, um, because every other Guerrero started their careers in the seventies, um. He started his in the '90s. Yeah, he started his much later because right. or he was like late, late '80s, early. Right. 90s. Um. He was. Like yeah. He was born much later. Um. Hector Manuel Guerrero, which was the third son, was born in 1954, and Eddie Guerrero was born in 1967. Right. So there was a big difference yeah, there. Um. Within that. That's why he kind of identified a lot with that third generation of Guerreros. Not yes. Necessarily the second. Yes. No. Now let's go into the widowers and the third generation of the Guerrero family. Um, as they carve out their current right. eras, um, Vicky Guerrero. Okay, we um, know who Vicky Guerrero. Is. Right, obviously the widow of Eddie. She still uses the name, and um, to what I am aware of, that the family is totally cool with it as well. Um, I don't think I have to say much. Uh, Salvador Guerrero the fourth, also known as Eddie Guerrero. Um, his debut is in 1994, and his career is still going strong. Where I don't. Um, as of right now, he's on Indies. He oh. is not. He's not signed with anywhere specifically. Um, I don't in Mexico or in the U.S. In both. Okay. Yeah, in both. He generally, he primarily wrestles here, um, but he does go there for um, the crash promotion that uh, Conan does because you know his association with the Guerrero family right. is very vascular. Stop. Anyway, um, Shal Marie Raut. I butchered that immensely, but we're gonna roll with it. Or Shal Guerrero, um, the daughter of Eddie Guerrero. Her debut was in 2011, and she was trained by Florida Championship Wrestling and the WWE Performance Center. She was one of the original female competitors when they transitioned from Florida Championship Wrestling to NXT that we know now. She, she didn't wrestle in NXT, though. She did. Oh, she she did. wrestled as Raquel Diaz. Ah. So if you ever want to watch her, she's Raquel Diaz. Uh, she... Um, she works in indies, but she is also carving her own career path, not only as a wrestler, but a burlesque, jan uh, burlesque dancer in Chicago. Uh, okay. um, her stage name, if you ever want to watch her, is uh, Mix Nixon. Uh, so she was the announcer, of, for the most part, actually now on AEW's Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament. Uh, and she also wrestled in Lucha Underground. Uh, yeah. So, um, and obviously, let's talk about the final one that's at least currently in wrestling. Matthew, I'm not going to butcher that name again, also known as Aiden English. There we go. That's the one. What about Chapo Guerrero Jr.? I already talked about him. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Um, Salvador, Salvador, or, um, yeah. Oh, Salvador okay. Guerrero the Fourth, Chavo Guerrero. Right. Is he part of the same generation, though? So, yeah, no, he's part of the same generation right. as them because he was the son of Chavo Classic. Right. But now, keep in mind, people, is that... Now, here, here's kind of where it gets confusing. It, it, I'm kind of confused. Like, right. You didn't mention Chavo Guerrero. I did mention, I did mention Chavo Guerrero. Okay. Um, so what it was is that Gory Guerrero's first son was born in um, 1949, and Eddie Guerrero was born in 1967. When was so, Chavo born? Chavo Guerrero was born in 1970. Oh wow! Okay. So, yeah. so he he even though that he um, Eddie Guerrero was technically his nephew, he was actually closer in age kinda, with Eddie. Kind of like Roman Reigns and the Usos. Right. 
even though they're part of different generations, they're born so close in age mm-hmm. that they might as well literally be cousins. Right. Um, Eddie, Eddie Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero, I mean, really, for the most part, grew up together, right. which is why I think it kind of missed on you because it's such a close right. age See, difference. I you were going generation by generation. Sorry about that. Well, I was going generation by generation because then I got to Vicky, but then I talked about Salvador Guerrero. Uh, I mean, that's really how close that age was. Yeah. That you, you just like it totally went off of your oh, head, yeah. right? Fine. So hey, anyway, talk about Aiden English. Aiden English, um, married to Shaw in yep. 2014. Um, obviously, his WWE career is very fresh in his mind right now. Yep. He is currently working in the independent circuit, and he also has a YouTube channel called Wrestling with Whiskey, uh-huh. where he uploads whiskey takings, Q&As, etc., um, and he um, uploads that to his YouTube channel. Excellent. So, um, the, the overall arc, and there are other children in the Guerrero family because, you know, Eddie had two daughters. And, um, you know, Chavo Guerrero, was, you know, we were going to see more. But right. at the end of the day, um, the second generation actually didn't have a whole lot of kids. Really, no. Eddie and um, Chavo Classic were the right. only two that actually had children um, that we're aware of. So we're going to see the Guerrero family really go out and really spread. But just keep in I mind. Be, it, it's, it's not going to be the classic Guerrero name that we're used to is going to be a little more American flair, if you know what I mean. Right, it really is. And English. We have Aiden English. I mean, really, really, Chavo Guerrero, right. and, and you know, when he has children, or if he does, the sons. He's not going to, but. Right, at, at this point, no. no. If he doesn't have any at this point, but whatever. But, you know, we, we will, I mean, I feel like the Guerrero family will live on in some way, shape, some or form. Way, yeah. um, but but if for some reason it only goes three, my God, what a lineage, what a right. history of, for a family that has only been in wrestling for such a brief amount of time yeah, relative, um yeah. right i mean three generations starting in the 50s that's you know that's I mean, nothing. right exactly so that was kind of a nice little guerrero flair so when we come back uh we are going to so be covering fast lane all right
All right, we are back. Let's do fast lane. Yay! I took a fast lane straight to the sleeper. Really? No. I thought it was an okay pay per view. Yeah, I liked it. So, um, let's talk about review on Peacock. Yes. It was fine. So um, it was the so I don't know why this was the pre-show match. It was kind of weird. Um, Riddle took on Mustafa Ali or Mustafa Ali for the United States Champion. I gave it about a two and a half. This match stars. was really good. Yeah, it was. It was still kind of lame. It was on the pre-show. But... Right. I feel like this this now this match should have been on the main show. I'm sorry. And, and I liked how Retribution betrayed Mustafa mm -hmm. Ali afterwards. So it was a second rope bro Derek for yeah. Riddle to retain Mustafa Ali. Um, was basically blaming all of them, and they basically attacked him. Um, and I'm like, ooh, I like the team of... Now, hopefully they change their name. I really like the team of T-Bar and um, Mace, yeah, because they're so, two, like, so, really yeah, big guys. So, like, Jakovic and Madden, yeah. Yeah. They'd be a great team together. They're, they're huge uh, guys. Who, who is, who is that other guy? Um, uh, we got... Slapjack, which was, um, uh, Shane Thorne. Oh, that's right. So, Shane Thorne should drop and then, it. And then, um, and then, and then, Mia Yim, go yeah. back to the OG. Come on. Yeah, go back. And then you can be Mia Yim on the main roster, and everyone will be hunky-dory, right. but yes, um, Retribution is done. Thank God. Thank God. They butchered it. It was great at first, and then they just they, yep. they fucked it up. Yep. So. If, if they had if they had actual cool names, and we actually cared. Right. But you know, once again, they fucked it up. Anyway, let's go to the main show. Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax defending the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions against yeah. Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. I gave like two and a half stars. It yeah, was the match. Okay. Yeah, the match wasn't bad. I, we just kind of knew what was going to happen. Right. We knew that Sasha Banks was going to turn heel. Well, she needs a touch-up on her... Really? Well... You think between the two, Bianca Belair would have been a heel in this situation? Not everything has to be a heel versus face situation. And when we talk about WrestleMania, I think it kind of has oh, to. Oh, how about this? Like, man, this old-ass my Oh, yes. God, yes. It has to be heel versus face, guys. We can't have two heels facing each other. We can't have two faces facing each other because fuck that shit, damn it. Who, who does it differently? Tell me, tell me one like company. Every other promotion does it a little bit differently. Example. AEW. What what um what rivalry? Yes. Okay. So Peanut Gallery and, and lost. JF versus Chris Jericho. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> but but with but with that being said as well, MJF betrayed Jericho, so Jericho turned baby can, face can we, by definition. Can, can we just talk about this match? No. So because you're wrong, because you're wrong. So Sasha Banks slapped I mean, Bianca Belair. Um, but yes, no. Sasha Banks is the clear heel in oh, this. Oh yeah, of course. But I'm really excited about this match. Um, you know, we knew that Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax were going to retain. Hooray, Gray! I don't know. Nor do I. Could I actually give a shit on who faces them at WrestleMania? Hopefully, they don't show up, but they probably will. Um, so well, you know who the greatest. You know, the greatest person in the women's division is right now. That's Reginald. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. So anyway, um, let's talk about Big E versus Apollo Crews for the WWE Intercontinental Champion. Okay. I, I like Apollo Crews' new gig. So, so okay. Okay, so people people are confused. Before we get to this, okay. because I think this is important, people are confused. They're like, oh, Apollo Crews just dropped this gimmick to us out of nowhere. Number one, no, he didn't. They actually turned Apollo Crews the right way. 
slow burn, and then he, like, hurt Big E. It was the right way to do it. And then he explained why of the change. Right. And it made sense. Right. His parents are from Nigeria. Like him being like in the royal family with an iron fist, we couldn't confirm it, but we know we can't deny it either because his parents are from that tribe. Right. His parents Right. His parents are literally from the tribe that he was discussing uh, discussing discussing in I mean, Nigeria. And you know, I mean, shit, that guy was probably polygamous, so he really didn't you know, right, his great grandfather was probably fucking everybody. Right, and also I love this gimmick, and yeah. also I feel like this was a thing that really Apollo Cruz needed. Yeah. Um, at the end of this match, it's clear they're doing WrestleMania. Apollo Cruz is no longer just your generic good guy. Thank God he has right. a he has a gimmick. It makes sense for him. Yep. He now the only thing that I'm gonna kind of bitch about because we really didn't know anything else is the accent. Um, I think it's kind of getting corny, but that's just me. But, but I think that being raised by our parents literally from Nigeria, I think he has a little bit of that within him. It's, I get it. It's better than Kofi Kingston's fake Jamaican accent. Right, where he was not even born in Jamaica whatsoever. He was literally born in Ghana, West Africa. So what the fuck are you going right. to do? Um, anyway, the only thing, I mean, the one thing I liked is that it just makes sense. Right. And I love this Apollo Crews. Anytime an Apollo Crews segment is on SmackDown, I watch it. Because hey. I, I, no, I do. Oh, I actually go out of my way and watch that oh, segment. See, see, I don't watch SmackDown. Well, no, I don't watch all of SmackDown. I watch the things that I care about: Roman Reigns segment and Apollo Cruz segments. Oh, okay. That's pretty much about it. Um, and it, it's just great. Anyway, um, the match was fine. It was. I liked the story that they told. Oh, a great story. Um, they've been doing this. They've been doing oh, this title right. match right. Um, but obviously, it was it was a weird pin thing. It was. It was kind of weird. I didn't. I didn't like it. I mean, you know, there's several mania. Right. I didn't. I didn't like it. Apollo Cruz attacked um, Biggie and just paintbrushed him right. to shit, man. He slapped the taste out of him, <laughs> and, and they're and they're really putting over and they're and they're really putting over the angle slam as Apollo Cruz's right. new finisher. I don't mind that either. He right. needed, I think, especially with somebody like Biggie, Apollo Cruz cannot do that spin out power bomb thing right. anymore. You know, there there are finishers that just can't work on big people, right? And the angle slam can work on. Anybody. Right. Anyway, let's talk about the next match. Yeah. The train wreck that was Braun oh my God. Strowman versus Elias. So, yes, Braun Strowman was supposed to face Shane McMahon. They pulled it. Um, Peanut Gallery was like, are we missing a match? I'm like, oh, shit, we're missing the Braun Strowman-Shane McMahon match. And he's like, oh, uh, they're not having that. Are you sure? So I double-checked. I'm like, oh, well, apparently they pulled that shit out of fucking Nowheresville. Um, but yes, uh, for uh, no reason whatsoever, other than just for reasons, um, Braun Strowman faced Elias. It was a power slam for Braun Strowman to win. Okay, I don't give a shit. Thank Braun you. Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon at Mania. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And they're like, oh my god, Shane McMahon's a big draw. No, Shane McMahon's a big draw when he's facing somebody who's actually like not a complete Shane, imbecile. Shane McMahon's a big draw for me to not watch this match. Match. Shane McMahon is a big draw for me to hang myself in the coat closet, okay? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Seth Rollins. This match was amazing. It was. Now, it was missing a few things. Number one, it missed a storyline. Number two, it missed a, it missed a stipulation. Number three, it missed a WrestleMania. So, 
Right. right. So here's I my. I only gave it three and a half stars. The the, the only the only thing that pissed me off slightly about this, like number one, they only did it on SmackDown to set right. up this match. Um, I understand why they did this because they're still building to Cesaro facing Rollins, but why wasn't Cesaro there? Right. Cesaro wasn't even involved. He wasn't involved in it. Why? Why was he not involved in it? And it's like, oh, Cesaro and Shinsuke have separated. At that point, it's like, oh, it's his friend. How are they still friends? Right. They haven't tag teamed together in a while. And I like Cesaro and Shinsuke's a tag oh, team. Oh, whatever. Okay. I mean, who won? Um, it was um, Seth Rollins to win. It was a stomp. It was a great match. Though. It, was, Nobody, it was a great match. Nobody looked bad. No. Uh, to be honest with you, people, Shinsuke is not going to be on the pay-per-view. I know. It's unfortunate over two nights we're not going to do it because they want bad the Bad Bunny jerk-off sesh for right. half of one of the parts. So, um, Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus in a no-holds-barred match. This match was awesome. It was good. It was fine. It was. Um, there was a great build. Yeah. I love the build. The only thing... the only thing that it wasn't kind of a stipulation. It was not a stipulation. Everybody was expecting because they had all three Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, and Sheamus involved in a rivalry That's together. That's why he docked it off. That's why he docked it down. It's like there was no stipulation. Now, if it was for reasons, right? Now, if if it was a um, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, no holds barred match, the winner faced Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. This could have easily been my match of oh, the yeah, night. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but they didn't. Right. It was still a great match. It just it, failed. It, it, it was like it was like a wet. It was like a fart, but you're like, hmm, that seemed a little wet. So, right. uh, but it was Drew McIntyre hitting a Claymore after a very brutal match. It was pretty brutal. It was a brutal match. It was great, though. I loved yeah. it. Um, but yes, Drew McIntyre won. No issues, but I love Drew McIntyre, like, standing over Sheamus and, like, crying because they told, they did tell a good story yeah. to this match. Oh, yeah. Great friendship, blah, blah, blah. Um, I made a really great j joke about having some haggis, which is disgusting, and um, a Guinness on standby for it. Because, you know, Scottish and Irish. Yeah, no. Anyway, clapping. clapping. So, anyway, um, let's go to the match that pissed me off slightly because. Um, yeah, that's the one where I retained. You tied. I retained successfully. Alexa Bliss versus Randy Orton. It was literally a bunch of gobbledygook. Alexa Bliss is essentially a sexy little demon bullshit. <laughs> I like, I like, I like, I like that foreplay though. Right, I like alt girls, but when I go down on her, I don't want to spit up oh, black no. shit. No, no, but but she went down on Randy Orton. Hmm. Remember the pin? It was not very PG. Right. So um, the fiend came out. He looked like um, he the burnt fiend. The burnt fiend. I swear to God, if you put out some graham crackers and a Reese's, you could make a fucking s'more out of that shit, and it would have been fine. It was like, ooh, you can still salvage it by just scraping off a little bit of that crap. You're good to fucking go. Um, hit Sister Abigail. Alexa Bliss basically raped Randy Orton as she pinned him. <laughs> and we're off to the fucking races. So um, that happened. Missed this match. Don't bother. Basically, Randy Orton was fucked with and fucked. So, right. Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Universal Champion. Edge was special guest enforcer. This match, it started weird. It built well. And then at the end, it was then, awesome. Yeah. So, it was a good match. Anyways, this, this was a match tonight. Really? Yeah. Um, it was a great main event. Edge. So what happened? So what I love is because they played this perfectly. We know it's going to be triple that, but they did right. this right. Where Daniel Bryan had Roman Reigns in the yes lock. Reigns tapped. He tapped out. Yes. Um, Daniel Bryan was attacked by Edge with a chair because yep. um, of 
outside circumstances. And um, Reigns pinned Daniel Bryan after Edge interfered. Right. Uh, the match was great. It was. It was a great match. Once again, Reigns is going to be... I, if Reigns continues in this path and this trajectory, he is going to be my wrestler of the year next year. Anyways, um, or this year, because it's 2021. Did I say next year? Yeah, you did. Yeah, so anyway, um, I, I just wanted to be next year. So. <laughs> Anyways, before we get too long-winded here. Oh, it's fine. Because we're 12 minutes in. I can do what I want. You know what? It's my show. Okay, Match of the night and star rating. So I want to talk about my gigantic boner. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, um, you so to, you want me to help you get that down. So you're my brother. So that's creepy. Yep. Um, apparently, Peanut Gallery likes. Um, <laughs> apparently, Peanut Gallery likes some incest. Oh no, I was gonna get some demon Alexa Bliss. Ah, so then that would be fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, back to our thing in mind here, people. So not his other thing in mind. Yes. What we're talking about on the podcast. Shut up, Fastlane. Um, Peanut Gallery. I want your star rating and your match of the night. I Go. You first. Fine. Okay, I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5 okay. for the event. There was a, I mean, there, there were more on here that I liked. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it to Reigns and Daniel Bryan just because they're setting up the match that I wanted for WrestleMania. Right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the exact same thing. 3 out of 5 stars. Mm -hmm. It was decent. It was better than I expected. I was expecting 2.5 stars, quite honestly. Right. And, and remember, um, now remember, course, people. It's going to be Roman Reigns right. and Daniel. And remember, I'm giving I'm giving it to Reigns and Brian because the McIntyre Sheamus match I enjoyed more, but they didn't have there a stipulation. Was no stipulation. And then Rollins and Nakamura I thought was better paced, but once again there was no stipulation. Cesaro wasn't Give involved. Us stipulations for these matches. Right. Anyway, especially for now, if you had this shit for like a regular show, go for it. Right. But if for a pay per view, you want a stipulation. Go. Anyway, speaking of stipulations, what are we doing next week as far as the main portion of the show? So the main portion of the show is going to be a two-pay-per-view header um, because we did not cover it on this show. We're covering it on tomorrow, on next week's show. That is going to be NWA's Back for the Attack. Also, we're going to be covering Ring of Honor's 19th anniversary show. Yes, I'm still butthurt because we had tickets to the 18th anniversary show, and we couldn't go because of a certain COVID. <laughs> all right, so follow us on all of our social media channels. Which is linked down below. It's the flow page. It's not anything bad. It's like Linktree, but better. Um, become a patron. Um, check us out. We will be going into a... Um, we're going to be going into video format soon. Yes. So um, stay tuned for that. Very soon. Yes, and as always, be majestic.